0: The day after the Minnesota Vikings officially move on from Mike Zimmer, we celebrate why Dean Evason is the perfect fit for the Minnesota Wild, not only now, but in the future. Alexis Pearson of the Bar Down Beauties podcast joins us to talk all things Dean Evason today on Locked on Wild. You're locked on wild daily podcast on the minnesota wild part of the locked on podcast network your team every day what's happening welcome to another episode of locked on wild your daily minnesota wild podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Thank you for making Lockdown Wild your first listen every day. And just as a reminder, Lockdown Wild is available wherever you listen to podcasts. It's available whenever you want to listen to podcasts. On today's episode of Lockdown Wild, we're joined by Alexis Pearson of the Bardown Beauties podcast to discuss the Wild's head coach, Dean Evason, with the Minnesota Vikings, making some coaching moves uh, this week. So we'll talk about that, some of the things that Dean excels at most. And we'll try to figure out when we'll see Kirill Kaprizov again after what took place uh, against the Boston Bruins. So uh, a lot to discuss here on today's episode. My name is Seth Topol, host of Lockdown Wild, your fearless captain of the show. Thank you for tuning in to a Tuesday edition. And we are joined, as mentioned, by Alexis Pearson of the Bar Down Beauties podcast, president of the Marcus Foligno Fan Club, and lover of chaos. Alexis, always glad to have you on the show. How are things?
1: Uh, things are good. No offense, but you buried the lead. I, I would prefer to start with the Marcus Leno fan club uh, and no offense to Bart on beauties, but uh, put that one <laughs> after it. A uh, lover of chaos is a good way to round it out. Uh, but yes, uh, happy to be here. I got to say the more friends you make in the, in the sports world in Minnesota here, it's just so much fun when someone says, Hey, can you come on my podcast? It's like, sure. This is what we text about anyway. And now we just get to sit down and share it with everybody. So I appreciate uh, the invite back on the show. Excited to be here.
0: Yeah, it was, it was super easy. I texted, Hey, do you want to stuff Trent Frederick in a locker? <laughs> and you were like, say bleep and less. I'm like, that
1: is exactly okay. what I said. Yeah, Sold.
0: So, we'll talk about that at the end of the show but obviously with the Minnesota Vikings moving on from Dean Evason, or wow from Mike Zimmer um, I wanted to talk about the Wilds head coach because it seems like both the head coach and the GM combo that the Wild hit it right with Bill Guerin and Dean Evason. Uh, To start Alexis, I want to talk about what happened at the end of the Washington Capitals game. Obviously Kevin Fiala did not have a great day um, with the uh, three penalties in like four minutes, 27 seconds. But talk to Dean Everson about it because Dean benched him. Talk to him about it. Dean evidently heard what he wanted to hear, so he put Fiala back in. He assists on the game-tying goal and then collects a goal in the shootout. What was your reaction to hearing all of that take place with the Wild as shorthanded as they were that Dean still was like, you know what, he's not helping the team out right now, so we got to sit him?
1: Well, first of all, the thing that impressed me a lot about that is and we've talked about this with Bill Guerin and in to some extent with Dean Evison too, but The fact that he was so honest, right? Like a lot of coaches would either a just dodge the question, which is fair. Like a lot of coaches don't want to get into like the little details of their relationships with their athletes. And I respect that and not everyone wants to get into it. Um, but the fact that he was so honest to the, the best that he could be with media about what the situation was, I really appreciated that because, um, I think there is ways that you could talk about it without, you know, saying too much about what was said to you or too much, what you said back while still giving people what they want to know. About the overall situation. So I was really r- refreshed to see that and hear that from Dean Evison that he was willing to address it um, so so clearly as he did. Second of all, obviously I think that was the biggest thing that people were like, why would you do that? We're down nine players already, and you're gonna bench somebody because he took a couple penalties in the second period. Um, I, I love Dean's approach to that. And it it does, it's a tough call to make to be like, okay. Do we go down another guy like is, is his presence in the lineup actually hurting us in the, in this game right now? Like, are we better off benching him? Uh, It's a tough call to make and you got to make it quickly. The game is moving fast and you got to decide, am I going to put him back on the ice or not? Um, So that was the second thing that I love that Dean was, was brave enough and confident enough and everybody else to say, I'm going to teach him a lesson here. And I have faith that everybody else in the lineup can get the job done without Kevin on the ice right now. Third of all, the thing that impressed me was Dean's ability to change his mind when he realized that the situation had shifted and okay. I like what Kevin said to me. I respect what he said to me. We're going to put him back out there. Go show me, show me that you deserve a second chance. And Kevin did that. He helped with the uh, game tying goal and obviously scored in the shootout. So everybody pulled their weight in the situation. Dean was upset. He benched him. Kevin came and said, Hey, listen, I, I I understand why you're doing this. If you want to give me another chance, I'll go get the job done. Dean said, okay, I'll give you another chance. And he, he got the job done. So there's a lot to dissect about the situation. um, But I have a lot of respect for both people in that instance, both Dean and Kevin for handling it the way that they did. And it ended up working out probably the way Dean wanted it to uh, when all is said and done.
0: Yeah. And you can't like, I, I'm just, I'm floored by the fact that, you know, we run through the gauntlet of playing in Boston against Mm -hmm. a pretty good Bruins team, especially at home. And a Washington Capitals team with Alex Ovechkin and friends and go 2-0 in that span mm-hmm. with all those guys out, That just it just hits the nail on the head. And the overall point that people are going to pull from today's episode is that Dean Evason is the right guy for the job because all these factors, but most importantly, he knows what buttons he has to press with particular yes. players. And we saw that play out with Kevin Fiala. Obviously, that is a brave... That's a brave thing to do, as you said, but I'm sure a lot of it has to do with their history together in previous stops. But at the end of the day, as we'll dive into next segment, Dean Evason is, uh, I think, as good of a hire as the Wild have made in a very, very long time just with what he's done so far.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times, not a lot of times, uh, sometimes with coaches, uh, in the professional sports world, you'll see them kind of treat all of their players the same, um, which that is one way to do it, right? Like everyone's going to get the same treatment. I don't care who you are and I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. Um, and sometimes that works for teams. Uh, but I think more often than not, you need to adjust your coaching style and your communication style for each player on the team. And I'm not saying everyone needs to have, like, I talk to this player this way and I talk to this player this way, but you have to be very aware of what an athlete's capable of and how they take criticism and how they communicate. And I think that's where you build the healthiest relationships is understanding all the different things about each different athlete on your team and how you can best coach them and how they can best receive your message, which is only overall going to make the team better. And I think that's what Dean is so good at is he knows the ins and outs of each of the players on the team. He understands what he, he knows what he wants, and he's not afraid to make decisions to get what he wants, even if that means. Benching, somebody sitting, somebody trading some, like he is not afraid to go do that, those things. And you mentioned at the very beginning of the show, but just the the duo of Bill Guerin and Dean Evason. No offense to any of the other GMs and coaches the Wild have had throughout their history, but I think this is probably the best duo we've seen um, since the the inception of the Minnesota Wild. I mean, they just, both of them have so many qualities that you want in a head coach and a GM and you combine them together. And it's like, man, they really, I just, it's it's the fact that they know what they want and go do it. That's what is so impressive to me. I'm not afraid of my head coach or my GM making a mistake. That doesn't bother me. I'm more concerned about, do you know what you're trying to do and how are you going to go about doing that? And that we get out of Dean and bill every single day. And that's what I love about them. And the extension of Dean and the coaching staff was well-deserved. A lot of people didn't know if Dean was capable of this position, myself included. I was really unsure at first. um, And I think he's proved A, a lot of people wrong and the people that were on board from the beginning, he's proved them right.
0: Let's uh, let's dive in a little further because we got to talk about the post game uh, celebrations because obviously <laughs> Dean is second to none in that category. But you mentioned the extension, and I want to point to a specific instance of that that I really liked as well. We'll continue to break down why Dean Evison might be the best coach in Minnesota sports right now. Not might be he is. Probably. We'll uh, we'll talk about that plenty more with Alexis Pearson of the Bar Down Beauties podcast coming up. Next, here on Locked on Wild. Got beard? Get primal. You heard me right. Got beard? Get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're the guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal origin oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the United States. Plus, the combo kits are great for anyone. If you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in beard to the other products you've used. They promise you will see and feel the difference. So make sure to use the code LOCKEDON to get 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Remember to use the promo code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Continuing today's episode of Locked On Wild, and again, thank you for making Locked On Wild your first listen every day. We're going to take what we did in 2021, and we're going to double it here in 2022. So thank you to all the listeners making that possible. Alexis Pearson of the Bar Down Beauties podcast joining the show today. And Alexis, let's, uh, let's take a look. The overall theme today, going with Dean Evason being the right fit for the Minnesota Wilds. Now we're going to kind of dive into some of the reasons why post-game celebrations, like there is nobody better. Although if you're an assistant for Dean Evason, you're probably trying to find some sturdy footing and uh, maybe just trying to work to the end of the bench because, uh, Dean gets rowdy after wins, and and rightfully so, because there have been so many crazy comebacks that have happened this season, but it's it's the best, and I, I hope there are plenty more the rest of the way to celebrate like that.
1: A lot of times I think coaches are either too outrageous, like you've got your John Tortorella's or you've got like your super serious coaches, right? Like there's, there's really like no in between. Um, and Dean is somewhere in between. So I, I love, that's one of the things I love about him is he knows when to be serious and, and when to like lo- lock things down, but he also knows when to joke around with media in a post-game press conference. And he knows how to celebrate when his team gets a big win. And I, I love that balance in a coach. I don't, I don't want a coach who's, who's serious all the time. I will take the outrageous coach all the time time because I do love chaos, but, uh, I, I like the balance of, of knowing both of those sides of you and when to bring them out. And, um, I just think that it, it's such a great thing to see, and it should be something that's celebrated. You won a game you probably shouldn't have on paper and you did it. So I'd be cheering too, if I were him. And, uh, I know when I was a kid, when Jacques Lemaire was, was the head coach of the Minnesota wild, I only saw him celebrate a win one time in my entire childhood that I can actually remember. Wow. And it was when the wild clinched the division against the Calgary flames in 2007, 2007, 2008. that uh, um, clinching game he celebrated on the bench and that was like the one of the only times I ever saw him even crack a smile let alone celebrate and I love Jacques Lemaire but I do love what Dean Everson has brought and, and kind of this con- I mean he's kind of like Bruce Boudreau in that sense where Bruce was very serious but yep. also you know like to have fun and joke around and uh, they're kind of the same in that sense and I think it's a good balance to have uh, on, on a team
0: one other part and we, we alluded to it briefly was the whole extension for Dean Evason on the surface, you know, signs an extension, obviously nothing really to read into with that. But if you look a little deeper, Dean did not want to sign the extension until all of his assistants were given matching deals. And I'm sure that happens elsewhere. Maybe it's not Mm -hmm. super frequent, but that kind of a thing I think speaks volumes too to a guy that knows, Hey, I'm not as successful as I could be without a great group of assistants. Mm -hmm. And it seems like Dean has picked a pretty good group.
1: For me, the biggest word that comes to my mind when I saw that and when I look back and think about it is trust. That tells me that Dean completely trusts his coaching staff and, to your point, understands that his success is, is a large part of the success of all of them. It's not just Dean as the head coach. It's the coaching staff. And to to say, hey, listen, I want to sign here again. I want to extend my contract, but I'm not doing it until you, you sign all these other people because we're a group here. We're a team. And Dean always talks about, we joke about it, but Dean always says, you know, you, everybody's a Minnesota wild sweater, right? doesn't matter who you play next to it's, you know, you're part of a team and he, you know, he, uh, he, he does exactly. He practices what he preaches. That's what I was, the word I was looking for a phrase I was looking for <laughs> he does the same with his coaching staff like this is we're a team here it's not about one person over the other we do everything together and again another can we make a list of the things we love about Dean Evison? because put this on the list um and and like you said it probably happens in in more than just this instance as I'm sure this isn't the first time in the history of sports where a coach is held out uh, on a contract signing because he wants others to sign as well um, but it is not super common you don't see this all the time and a lot of times after. Athletes and coaches get greedy. They want the most money. They want the the best for themselves. Um, and you're, you're not seeing that here with Dean Evason. And that's not only a reflection of Dean Evason, um, but if you're a part of that coaching staff and you're thinking, wow, he he's doing this for me, like he's holding out for me, that gives me more faith in him. So it's just this reflection of everybody trusting everybody. And that's something you want uh, on your coaching staff.
0: And the final point to, uh, to make here before we... Um we talk about what happened uh, in the Bruins game. Um, and, and I, I touched on this yesterday too, but it's one thing to want to bring a team first mentality of like, we are the logo on the front of our uniform. But I, I think as we've seen in previous years with the Minnesota wild, it's hard to get everybody to buy into that. And Credit to Bill Guerin, credit to Dean for instilling that culture in this team because, and, you know, I I don't want to throw particular guys under the bus, that sort of culture just did not exist even three or four years ago.
1: Well, I think even an extension of that is it's hard to buy into it when you're not winning. And I'm talking about not winning Stanley cups or going through losing stretches in a season or losing a playoff series. It's easier to buy into something when the result of what you want is, is happening. So when you're winning, it's like, oh, this is going awesome. Like, yeah, everything, I believe everything they say. I trust my teammates. It's, it's when a team is losing, when that's really tested and To be honest, this is really, we just saw the first time that the Wild, I think, have been tested this season in that five-game losing streak. And even now, as they're going through some injuries, even though they've picked up a couple wins in their last couple games against some really good teams, um, this is the first time they've really been tested. And I have seen a shift in the way that the the athletes are talking uh, to media um, in interviews and all of that stuff. There's much more accountability being taken when something goes wrong. And how many times can you think of, Seth, off the top of your head so far in the season and we're only, you know, 35 games in or whatever it is where, where a wild player has said, this is on me. This was my fault. I made a mistake. And you don't always hear athletes in general, admitting to big mistakes like that or trying to take a loss and put it on their shoulders. And you especially haven't really seen it from the wild, um, um, in their existence and in recent years. And again, it's not to say that there was necessarily an issue with the athletes we had before, or that those guys don't deserve respect or credit, for what they did but there's just an overall shift in attitude and it's reflected in the way that each player um presents themselves when something is going wrong and when something is going right as well the the whole you know we did this together we believe in each other and they've said that on more than one occasion this you know we believe in each other kind of thing um when they were going through all the comeback wins at the beginning of the season, it was this whole like, Hey, we're this, we're all doing this together. This isn't any one person. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's to me, the biggest sign of that being true is the way that they talk in interviews and the accountability that's being taken. Whereas you could in previous years, like you could pinpoint and say, I want this guy to take accountability. And he just wouldn't, I mean, he would tiptoe around it and, uh, everybody is better. Uh, the team is better when people take accountability and then move forward trying to correct what kind of mistake they made uh, that cost the team
0: all in all we think that dean evison is uh, is the right fit and uh, i think a lot of people in the state of hockey here uh, would tend to agree so uh, hopefully dean can have a long and successful tenure as head coach of the minnesota wild because I just I want to keep seeing those uh, those post game sellies as uh, <laughs> yeah, as much. no sp-
1: offense to Darby Hendrickson, but I want him to get shaken yeah. up a few more times uh, before Dean's time here is
0: done. <laughs> not uh, not too many more rib shots, though. I'm sure uh, I'm <laughs> sure Darby's like, come on, dial, dial it back a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's it's fun to see Dean do his thing. It uh, is not fun to see happen what happened in uh, the game against the Boston Bruins. Let's talk a little Trent Frederick when we return on Locked on Wild. BetOnline.ag would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code LOCKEDON to get things started. Everything from the NFL playoffs to the NBA, the NHL, boxing, and UFC, all the way down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. Final segment of today's episode of Locked On Wild. Make sure if you have not already to head over to the Bar Down Beauties podcast. As uh, Jesse and Alexis had B on uh, this week, so make sure to check that out as well as uh, their other uh, podcast and media endeavors uh, as well. Uh, Alexis, I know because we were talking about it before we uh, hit record for the final segment. We both had a chance to, to get a little uh, heated as to what happened in the Bruins game. Uh, Dean Evason, for what it's worth, called it a predatorial hit uh, by Trent Frederick. And I think the Wild are going to get out on the lucky end of this from the way it sounds, because apparently there is a chance that Kirill could play on Friday, which is just...
1: <laughs> I don't believe it, but I'm going to be optimistic. I hope it's true, but I, I don't know. <laughs>
0: pure alien, or he's just one of those robots that uh, that they're working on over on the East Coast that can open doors and can hop up on ledges. I don't know. But main point is that, uh, that Trent Frederick... Come on, man. Like, I, I know... He, I know people are going to want to and have already tried to lump it into heat of the moment, bang, bang, hockey play. Whatever other box you want to try to compartmentalize that in, I would like you to just throw it into the bottom of a river and forget about it because there is really no way to justify that kind of a play in which all he had to do was take the puck and be done with it and instead decided, you know what, Kirill is close to the boards. It's a good opportunity for me Mm -hmm. to try to give us the upper hand. Thankfully, the Wild are a little bit more of a team to where they were able to overcome it and win the game. But Trent Frederick is not my favorite person anymore.
1: Yeah, I don't think he was many people's favorite person to begin with. And he doubled down on that on Thursday, Um, not even just with like wild fans, but like any hockey fan who saw what happened there, you have to be upset with the way that went down. I mean, nobody wants that in the game of hockey um, and it doesn't help that it was against a superstar player. And I think it just aggravated a lot of people. And to your point about people making excuses, I will say that most times with hits like this, you can make those arguments because the game of hockey is fast and people do move quickly and twist and turn and all kinds of things go into a hit that was maybe an okay hit turning into a really ugly hit that either injured somebody or, you know, whatever. So a lot of times you can make those arguments. This is not one of those instances. Like nobody can convince me that what he did was not to Dean's point predatorial or, I mean, he kept... Freaking Trent Frederick doubled down and said it was a hockey play. And, you know, I didn't mean to. Yes, you did. You literally skated Oh, I can't get over the fact that he skated over the puck. The puck was in his skates. Like that's, that's where you cannot convince me that he wasn't trying to do what he did. Because if he was trying to make a hockey play for, you know, in that moment, what he would have done is instead of skating over the puck, he would have put a stick on it and turned around and gone the other way to clear the puck out and get moving with it. That's a hockey play in that moment. What he did was not a hockey play. You don't, you can't skate over the puck and try to tell me, oh, I I was playing the puck. It was a hockey play. No, you weren't. Um, the other other thing about it that convinces me that it should be punished is a lot of times in boarding plays, you'll see a player turn at the last minute or they're standing up straight and then they bend over to play the puck and then they get hit and go into the boards. And in that point, you can argue, okay, well, part of it was the player moving and not necessarily the person hitting him that caused the situation in this case. Kirill Kaprizov had his numbers facing Trent Frederick the whole time, yep. was bent over, playing the puck along the boards the whole time. He didn't turn. He didn't move. Kuril Kaprizov was pretty much standing still. I mean, he wasn't moving and shifting. Um, and Trent Frederick came from out of the play, into the play, over the puck, saw the whole situation, and still – cross-checked him into the board. So there was plenty, plenty of time for Trent Frederick to say, "Mm, I'm not going to do this. I can turn around. I can stop. I can, you know, whatever. And he didn't do any of those things. So to the people trying to make the point that, Oh, it was a hockey play. It was an accident. No, it wasn't. You've seen enough cross-checks. If you're a hockey fan in your lifetime to know that, that's not what a hockey play looks like. Um, and Trent Frederick is not, uh, you know, it's not like he's a clean player who never does this kind of stuff. I mean, Alex Ovechkin cross-checked him in there, you know, sticked him in the nuts, like, you know, 10, 10 games ago, 20 games ago, whenever it was, I mean, he is this kind of player. Um, and that, Always is taken into account when they look at these things as well. So it's disappointing. Nothing's been done yet. And I know, Seth, you and I are 100% on the same page here.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I look at examples of what happens with the player that is levying the hit if it mm-hmm. is truly an accident. I think it was. Last year, like right at the beginning of the season, Kevin Fiala had yes. that uh, that boarding penalty, and he
1: got suspended for like three games. yeah <laughs> first time offender. So you,
0: you remember that as soon as the as soon as Fiala and it was a Kings player, I think, yes, yep. slammed into the boards. Fiala immediately went down to make sure that he was okay. Mm-hmm. Trent Frederick s- tries to start a fight. fight. So you're telling me that okay. Y- this tells me as somebody who kind of knows how your, your brain works in these situations, mm-hmm. that tells me that he knew yeah. wild players were going to take exception to what he was going to do. And so instead of let them instigate it, he was like, you know what? I just got to start throwing punches <laughs> here. And also cool to rip Matt Zuccarello's helmet off. yeah, Just clean off during an I exchange. Think- like get out of here.
1: The thing that, so like, well, when the game was happening and this moment happened, I was obviously annoyed. Like, I didn't know if we didn't know if Fial or uh, Kaprizov was coming back in the game or not. Uh, We didn't know until Dean in the post game told us what the situation was, but I I was upset regardless, even if Kirill would have come back, that hit made me mad. What made me doubly mad was his, his comments in the, in the post game where he didn't admit to doing anything wrong. Like at the very least, just say, Hey, I'm really Sorry. Um, you know, I I should have made a, a different play there. I hope he's okay. No, he's like, no, I was trying to make a hockey play. Shut up. No, you weren't. We all saw that. We all saw it. You can't convince me. Like, at least just own up to what you did. And you can't change anything at that point. You made the hit. Corell is hurt. You can't go back and change that. But at least just say... Sh- Show some remorse for what you did. I mean that 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 made me almost as mad as the hit itself. Um, it goes back to what I talked about about the wild taking accountability. I have more respect for you if you take accountability. I know no one's going to be perfect. People will make mistakes, but at least say you're sorry after it happens. I mean that that was just really annoying in my opinion. Um, to double down on it, and I think Bruce Cassidy, uh, Bruce had coach, even said something about how it wasn't a bad hit, and it's like just just stop. Just oh, you're not boy. you're not getting anybody on your side. You're only making everyone who was against you more mad at you now. Like, that's what you're doing.
0: (laughs) Now I see why our friend Spokesy was having uh, such a rough time with it. He probably wanted to try to see a little bit of accountability from Boston, and it didn't happen. But, well, I uh – I know that Marcus Foligno has already circled the uh, the rematch on his calendar. Was it March
1: 16th, I think? Yes.
0: <laughs> and to Foligno's credit, he did get some retaliation in later in that game because mm-hmm. there were a couple of fights where just absolute chaos after that happened.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what you want to see. That's standing up for your teammates and... My favorite part was when Marcus Foligno went up to, I think it was the bench or whatever. And he's basically like, you're next, you're next. You watch your back. I'm going to kick your ass. You're done. Like he's just pointing (sighs) people out. I'm like, go, go get him. I don't even care who you fight at this point, but stand up for him. Because um, I think, you know, we've obviously seen Carrillo has been targeted. And I say that not necessarily in a, in a, in a bad sense, but like, there's more eyes on Krill this season. Yep. Everyone saw what he did last year. We, we now all know what he's capable of. And now he's playing against more teams than he did last year and seeing more faces and more players. Um, and so we knew that this something like this might happen at some point in the season, as sad as it is to say. Um, and so you need somebody like Marcus to step up and say, this is not going to happen again. If, you, if you're if you going to do it, you're not going to get away with it because somebody is going to come back and avenge what, what you did. Um, and so uh, we all know I'm the president of the Marcus Flino fan club. And that is one of many reasons why, because I love a player who stands up for their teammates. Um, and especially when, when they go down in the way that they did somebody, had to, God bless uh, Kulikov. He tried, but he is not the man to get the job done. Marcus <laughs> Foligno is the guy you want in that situation. Yeah,
0: the as uh, as a now card carrying member of the Marcus Foligno fan club, sweets <laughs> are uh, the shirts are sweet. By the way, if I could talk, um, yeah, so, shout out to
1: Soda Stick. They really yeah. killed it on the design there, and it's it's really cool seeing everybody. Uh, you know, text us and and send us photos of like, hey, I'm part of the club. Like, it's it's really cool. We uh, it, it's a fun club to be a part of. And Thursday night was a good example of why you want to root for a guy like him because he's not going to let anybody push his teammates around.
0: Yeah, doling out uh, doling out punishment and mentoring uh, Matt Boldy and Marco Rossi. I'd love to see more of that line combo. At some point, I know Rossi got sent back down, but those two are going to be a uh, a huge fixture for this team and Marcus Foligno is as well because well somebody's going to take care of the Trent Fredericks of the world. So,
1: Yeah, if it's not going to be him, I volunteer. Just let me know where I need to go. I mean, shoot. I, you don't have to ask me twice.
0: We could do one of those hockey sandwich things where you skate up to him real fast and you just <laughs> clobber him from both sides. Yeah, let's yeah. take care of that. Well, thank you for the time today, Alexis. Uh, as mentioned, listeners, make sure to check out the Barn on Beauties podcast if you have not already. I don't know why you wouldn't because it is... An A-plus listen, but if you haven't, make sure you do because uh, it's definitely well worth your time, as is Locked on Wild. That is going to do it, though, for today's episode, so uh, thank you for tuning in and making Lockdown Wild your first listen today. You can head over to Locked on Bets for your second listen, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked on Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Locked on Bets is free and available on all podcast platforms just like Locked on Wild. We are available everywhere you listen to podcasts. We're available anytime you want to listen to your podcast. So make sure to do so and follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Keeping you as up to date as possible on the Minnesota Wild because if a puck drops in the state of hockey, Locked on Wild has you covered with new episodes every Monday through Friday as part of the Locked On Podcast Network.